welcomed all of our campuses. Hey, guy behind bars, we're expecting that gym the next three weekends to be packed. Can't wait to be back with you guys. So welcome to all of our campuses. Who, come on, be honest, who put on the feedback Thursday? Come on. Well, I'm going to have to change the sermon because we got some liars in the house. So we're going to have to change it. Uh, come on. Anybody who ate too much? Come on. I see I exercise, I diet Thursday, Thanksgiving, all that's off. Come on. It is anything I can catch, I'm eating. It was a great day. So anybody thankful in this messed up, jacked up world? Anybody thankful to God? All right. So we're going to talk about gratitude today. One of the reasons is it's very difficult to honor God. It's very difficult to worship God if you are not grateful. So if you don't have an attitude of gratitude, you have an attitude of ingratitude. You're not positive, you're negative. And that just crushes praise. It crushes worship. Now, I thought about getting Halloran Hilton Hill, my buddy, he attends here some, to do this weekend. <clears throat> if you ever listen to the Halloran Hilton Hill show, it's about gratitude every day. <clears throat> and I love how, but you got me. <laughs> and here's the deal. Gratitude will change your life. Do y'all believe that? See, gratitude will change your life for the better. And gratitude is all about one thing. It's about where you choose to focus, what you choose to look at. So what, I tell you what our prayer has been for the last few weeks for this specific weekend and you specifically, that God would inject into your heart an attitude of gratitude, a spirit of gratitude would come on you. It will change you. It will change your family. It will change everything about you. See, we, we live in a we live in what the world calls this evil eon or this wicked world. And this wicked world is not positive, but it's negative. It's not affirming. It's critical. And so when you sit and listen to people talk, they don't talk about where they're blessed. They talk about where they've been blasted. They don't talk about what they have. They talk about what they don't have. They don't talk about all the favor and the miracles, the goodness of God. They talked about where they've been gypped, ripped, robbed, or raped. Is that right? Listen at work. Listen at home. Listen, you know, on social. Just listen out there, man. People just negative, negative, negative what I don't have. That never needs to be the mark of promisers. Amen. We ought to be the most positive people on the planet. Would y'all agree with that? So come on, we're believing God to work this weekend. We just had the greatest heart for the harvest season that we've ever had. I'm so grateful for you. We're, at, we're about 1.9 million. None of the stuff that was given has been counted. I think we'll hit $2 million on Heart for the Harvest. Y'all believe that? So I think it's going to happen. <clears throat> God has been so good, so I, I'm loving it. Now, we just finished Thanksgiving, and one of the things I love about Thanksgiving is leftovers. Anybody like some leftovers? Have you ever had a fried turkey sandwich? Come on, lettuce, some cheese, some mayo, little, little, you know, little hot sauce on there, man. It is good. And so we has anybody eaten any leftovers? Are you? Come on. And listen, I love them Friday. And I, they're pretty good on Saturday. By Sunday, you need to be cooking me something else. Are you with me? So let me ask you a question. Do you ever get tired of leftovers? Somebody? Of course you do. We get tired of leftovers because we are so blessed. We have so much, and we have access to so much. Let me ask you another question. Did the Israelites ever get tired of manna in the desert? 
There were no food lines, no food cities. And so anytime they needed money, there was no place to grow anything. There was no place to buy anything. God would rain down Krispy Kreme donuts. They called it manna every single day. And God, they got tired of it, started grumbling, griping at God. God, we're sick and tired of this manna. Give us something else. Let me ask you another question. If you're ready, say, I am. Do you think God ever gets tired of leftovers? Or you're not sure? Because you were sure on those last two. I believe God gets tired of leftovers. Well, how does God get leftovers? Well, let's talk about the time that we give God. You know, when some of you, if you're my age, you young adults won't even know what I'm talking about. But do y'all remember going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? Anybody remember that? Yeah. Now we have one service a week. And years ago when you had that many services, you probably went to church 45 to 48, 49 times a year. You went almost every week. And y'all remember that? You couldn't go anywhere because the gas stations were closed on Sunday. There's nothing new. There were three stinking television stations. All they had on was preaching. I hated Sundays. <laughs> hated it. Saturday, wonderful cartoon. Sunday preaching, loathed it. And so, so what do we do now? We give God about 1.5 weekends a month when we go one time, when we used to go more, when we went more times. So the world is consuming our time, so we give God less time. Is that fair? We give God less money. You know, about 75% of us don't tithe, so we're not giving God the first part. We, our love, because he said in the end times, I believe we're living there, the love of many will grow cold. And so we're not giving God as much love. We're not giving him as much worship. When we come in in corporate worship, you ought to come in ready. Not having fought with your spouse and smacked your kids in the back seat all the way to church. <laughs> because my kids, were, I mean, I had Mike and Zach. It didn't matter who I hit. Somebody needed it. So I'm just, are you ever just, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? Just reaching back there. And back then, everybody didn't have to be in car seats like they do today. So I could get them. So we come to church, got all the stuff going on. Listen, we come to corporate worship. Shouldn't we give God our best worship? Hands lifted, celebrating, worshiping the fruit of our lips, a sacrifice. We're going to talk about sacrifices in this, this, this morning. A sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. So we're to give God our best, but do we? Mm. So let me ask you a couple other questions. Would you agree the number one issue of the Bible is about loving God? Would you? Come on, absolutely. The most important verse in the Old Testament, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, called the Shama. Jesus in the New Testament affirms the greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is like the first, you shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. And so the Bible can be encapsulated. It's about loving God. And it's hard to love God if you're not grateful to God and for God and for all God has done. So let me ask you another question. Is God out of line asking for our very best and the first part of what we have? You're sure? Because, see, the first part God said is the tithe. And we're going to bring the whole tithe, Malachi 3, into the storehouse and so we say God deserves our first part, but when we do not bring the first part, is there a problem? Okay, you weren't quite as sure on that one. So, so, so and, and give God our very best of our worship, of our service. Yeah, but I don't have time to serve at church. Service is a sacrifice for God. It ought to cost you to serve. Amen? Not, well, I can show up, do this. This, this is not that big a deal. We, can, we bring God our sacrifice. 
So, so what we end up doing, many of us, is instead of giving God our first part and our best part, we give God the leftovers. Does that make sense? And here's the deal. Anything that we place ahead of God in our lives is an idol. And so when we put family, we put money, we put status, you know, we look at the Old Testament and say, can't believe they bowed down to statues and worshiped them. We bowed down to status. We bowed down to idols. We bowed down to celebrities. We bowed down to what kind of car a person drives. Come on, let's be real. How much money's in their bank account? How many square feet their house is? Who cares? Whether you live in 800 or 8,000 square feet, it really doesn't matter, does it? You got 8,000 square feet, all you got is more to clean. And so, what, what, what happens is, as you read the Bible, I, as, as I read the Bible, you know, one thing that used to shock me is God seemed to be mad a lot. You ever thought about that? I mean, you read say, God's mad again. God's mad again. Well, let me tell you what angers God more than anything else. That is when he is relegated to last place and we give him the leftovers. That angers God. See, we've already agreed that God deserves our very best at our first part. Do we agree on that? Come on, are y'all with me? We're, we're all going. And so we agree on that, and yet we end up giving God leftovers. Now, I believe one of the reasons our church is so blessed is because there's so many people, so many promisers that put God as preeminence in first place. See, God, when God gave a sacrifice for us, God gave his best, didn't he? He gave his son to pay for our sins, to open the door of heaven and give us grace and love and mercy. So we should give God our best. So as this year winds down, five more, year, five more weeks or a little less, the year will be over. As you reflect on 2016, and I hope, listen, somewhere toward the end there, you'll pull your calendar for 16 out. You'll reflect where you went, what you did, where you spent your time. And what place did you put, God? And then what do you need to change in your life in 2017? I do it every year. I'm already working now on how I'm going to reorient all the time that I spend and where I spend it. I'm going to change how I work in 2017. I've been praying through it right now. I was praying yesterday. Jesus, you spend half your time with the disciples and half your time with the crowd. How should I spend my time? Now, he didn't have to prepare to preach because he was the word. So that's a little unfair. You know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But did, where, what place did you put God in 2016? If you say, well, pastor, God was in first place. I have good news. Yesterday, really did it last night. Today really is a brand new day. Today, you can place God as the Lord over your heart. Amen. You can put him in first place. And a great thing you can do in honor of God is bring people far from God in the next three weekends of the Christmas series. You, you know, we're talking about receiving gifts. You want to give a sacrifice to God? Bring people that are far from God the next weekend. Come to three services. Bring friends and family far from God. Tell them it's going to be a blast. So let me, let me give you a theological question that, that Malachi asked the priests, and the priests are clueless. They're clueless. So in Malachi 1.6, a son does what to his father? And a servant to his master. Then if I'm a father, where is my? And if I'm a master, where is my? So we're to respect and honor God, right? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who do what? You despise my name. And the, and the priest said, what are you talking about? Where do you, where have we despised your name? But you say... 
You, how have they ask, how have we despised your name? What have we done, God? How have we angered you, Father, Heavenly Father, our Jehovah Jireh, our provider? What have we done that is despised your name? And God goes on to explain that. And it's all about the leftovers. In Malachi 1, 7 and 8, you are presenting defiled food upon my altar. They would pick out a ram, a lamb, an animal. They would bring it to the temple. It would be killed. And then it would be put as a whole burnt offering to God. It's the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. But you say, have we defiled you? What have we done? I don't, we don't even understand, God. And that you say the table of the Lord is despised. How do we despise your altar and your table? But when you present the what? The blind for sacrifice. Is it not? Now, let me ask you a question. Could you extrapolate that giving God the leftovers is evil? Hmm. It's a thought. And when you present the what? And the? Is it not? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he receive you? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? So they're bringing, they're bringing this junky stuff. Again, they get ready to go to the temple. They look over their flocks or herds. God says, bring your best. Bring a lamb, a ram that is, that's without defect, that is, that is the first, your best part. But they would look and say, oh, look, this little lamb is the runt. It's blind. It's sick. It's lame. It's about to die anyway, right? Let's bring that to the house of God, and let's offer that up to God. And Malachi says, would God receive you kindly when you're bringing your leftovers, when you're pitching God a bone like you would the family dog? See, what they had done in their worship is they had relegated a relationship with God to simple religious duties. Hey, gang, let me ask you a question. How easy is it just to roll into attending church or reading your Bible or going to group and losing the intimacy with God? And see, that's what they had done. And because they had lost enemies with God, they thought a relationship with God was just their religious duty. So they just brought God the last, the leftover, the lame, the blind, the sick. Here, God, we're giving this to you. You've got to receive this. You've got to be excited about that. See, they thought leftovers were good enough for God. And God said, you've defiled my table by bringing the leftovers. And what happens today is the world out there, this evil eon, this wicked world that we live in, it consumes our best. It takes all of our good energy as we work every day, doesn't it? It takes all our good thinking. It takes all of our good gifts. It take, consumes all of our money to pay all the bills. Am I talking to anybody in the house? You know what I'm talking about? It consumes. And so the world eats all of our stuff and all of us, and all we have left is to give God the leftovers because we didn't give God the first part. We gave God the last part. And that's what Cain did, and God rejected his offering, and Abel brought the first fruit, and God received his offering. Now, notice how God feels when we do it in verse 6. He said, you have despised my name. You've angered me, you've despised me, you've literally, you've hated me because of how you're treating me. See, it's not what you say, but it's what you do. If I'm a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my respect? I don't have any. Verse 9, he says this, but now will you not entreat God's favor? He said, hey, you're coming to the temple and you're entreating. You're asking God to bless you, to bless your family, to bless your flocks and your herds, to bless the produce of your land. You're asking God to be merciful and bless you, and you brought God your leftovers. 
Do you think that's going to happen anywhere in our Faith Promise campus this weekend? Come on. Let's be honest. That he may be gracious to us with such an offering, the lame, the blind, the sick, the leftovers, on your part, will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts. See, there's a theological mistake that we make, and that is God has to receive whatever I give him. God is honor and duty bound to whatever gifts I choose to give God, God has to receive that gift. And God says, no, I don't. Have you ever turned down a gift from someone? I sure have. People want to give me stuff with strings attached or they better. There are a lot of people say, hey, no thanks, I don't need that. Hey, I appreciate it, thanks so much, but no, no thanks. And that's what God says. You're bringing me your leftovers, no thanks. I'm Really, I'm good in heaven here. I got everything I need. So if all you've got your leftovers, God says, Lord, I, I'm really, I'm good. And see what bringing God leftovers actually is? Come on, if you're listening, say I am. It's a low view of God and a high view of you. See, because whatever I choose to give to God, God is duty-bound to receive. No, he's not. He's a holy, perfect God. He does whatever he wants to, right? See, we don't make God in our image. He made us in his image. Does this make sense? Come on, this is the deal. Look at verse 10. I love this. This is about to rock your world. Are you all ready to be rocked? He said, oh, that there were one among you, somebody with a spiritual spine, some man or woman of God who would stand up and shut the gates, lock up the church. God says, I'm done. He said, somebody shut the gates of the temple that you might not uselessly kindle a fire on my altar. Said they build a fire, bring these sad, sorry second sacrifices and put the sacrifices on the altar. God said, listen, you're wasting your wood. You're, listen, you're uselessly kindling a fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept the offering from you. You know what he's saying? Cut the lights off, boys. The party's over. Somebody close the door. Quit playing church. Quit playing with me. Somebody close the door. And let me tell you, three more chapters of Malachi, and God doesn't speak for 400 years. And, and it's biblically called the Dark Ages because from Malachi to Matthew, there are 400 years. No, not one word from God until God spoke to Zachariah and Elizabeth that they would give birth to John the Baptist and to Joseph and Mary. Mary, a virgin, would give birth to Jesus, and God exploded once again after 400 years of silence because he was sick and tired of being last. Hey, how do you feel if your spouse puts you last? Are you with me? Come on, somebody. You ever get mad about that? When your kids put you last? Of course you do. We don't want to be last, and neither does God. So, so sacrifice, bringing God our best, is an essential part of our worship, even praise again. The praise is the fruit of our lips, a sacrificial offering. That's why you need to participate. That's why wouldn't we stand and celebrate? You forget your problems, your pain, you forget everything, and you give unto God a celebratory, exalting, lavish worship. You say, God, you are worthy. Like Job said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. No matter what the world does or the devil does or my family does or the church does, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to give him my best of all that I am. Come on, somebody. Is that right? Because to love is to give. King David said, I will not offer God anything that cost me nothing. I'm not going to pick up the sick and the last and the lame and the leftovers. I'm going to give God my very best because God gives me his best. 
And loving God demands our best, our first fruits, our best worship, our best service. That's why some of you, 2017, you're going to begin to serve in the house of God if they promise. You said, I don't have time. You are going to sacrifice. You're going to put God first, and you're going to begin serving. Many of you are going to get involved with a group and ministry. Your lives are going to change in 17. Why? Because you're going to take God out of last place, and you're going to put God in the first place. You're going to take God out of part time, and you're going to put God in the prime time. Are you with me? Listen, many of us are going to be done pitching God a bone and thinking God has to be happy with my bone. Your dog does, but your God doesn't. Amen? Somebody with me? And again, the Old Testament's clear. If you're going to bring a sacrifice, bring your best. But what they did is they kept the best for themselves, and they gave what they didn't want to God. And what Malachi 1.8 says, is it not evil? Jeremiah 48.10, look at this. Cursed be the one who does the Lord's work. How? And some people say, well, you know, I don't really feel good today. I know I'm supposed to serve in kids' ministry. I think I'll stay home. I don't really need to show up. Now, you're going to go to work if you felt that way, right? See, I don't care whether you're parking cars in the parking lot, greeting people at the doors, changing poo-poo diapers in our preschool ministry, taking care of kids, working with students, cleaning your house up, at least two rooms, three, the kitchen, living room, or bathroom, so a small group can come over. You don't have to do the whole house. Trust me, we've learned. Rake it in the bedroom. They don't go there. And if they're in there, they shouldn't be. And so... And so, man, give God, don't curse it, be the one who does the Lord's work negligently. Does this make sense? In Revelation 3, Jesus said, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. You say you are rich and wealthy and have need of nothing, but I'm telling you, you're poor and wretched and miserable and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, and I said to anoint your eyes that you may see. So what we've got to do, church, are you with me? Is we've got to learn to love God and put God primary, put God preeminent, put God as, as the number one, passionately love God. I mean, listen, put God number one in your checkbook. He gets the first 10%. Put God in your calendar. He gets the best hour of your day. If you say, you know, I try to get up in the morning, I can't get up in the morning, I'm, I'm not a morning person. Hey, that's good. Give, give God from 8 to 9 in the evening. Give God your best hour of the day. Give God the best that you have. Don't give it to the world. The world is out there sucking our lives out. Give it to God. Amen. He's our provider. Luke 6, 46, Jesus, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? He said, if you, love, if you really love me, you'll obey my commandments. And so it is my prayer, it is our prayer that God would inject you with a spirit of gratitude. That when you go to work Monday and, man, people are saying, oh, man, Thanksgiving and my in-laws and I hate this job. You say, you know what, thank God for Thanksgiving. My family is there. It was wonderful. Thank God for this job. Thank God for our boss. We've got a great boss. Thank God. What got into you? Gratitude got into me. Grinch, you need to get some on you. Amen. Come on, let's, let's, let's walk with Faith and positivity, not negativity. The power of life and death is in your tongue. Quit speaking and waggling wicked words when you can speak out gratitude. You can speak faith. You can speak love. Red, hot, hearts, passionate for God. Is anybody with this? It'll change your home. It'll change your focus. Well, that's easy for you, Pastor. Man, your life is so easy. 
No, I choose to look at all that God has done. I don't choose to look at what I don't have. I choose to look at the miracles that I do have. I'm married to the most amazing woman on the planet. God has given me brilliant kids. God has blessed me in so many ways. I get to pastor the best church in America. Man, I am highly favored and well blessed. But hey, you know what? I could spend all my time looking at what I don't have. Well, 1.9 million should have been two. And man, we've only baptized 800 people. Should have been nine. And how come and why and what? No, I'm going to choose 2020 vision on God, and I'm going to choose to walk in gratitude. So don't rain on my parade with your black tie pity party. I'm going to walk in the glory of God. Does anybody want in on some of that? <laughs> Woo, come on. Spirit of the living God, we call on you. God, some of us have been giving you our leftovers, and we are so sorry. God, I pray right now that you would inject every heart with a spirit of gratitude, a focus on faith, a power of positivity. God, would you, would you give us words of life, not words of death? Would you let us see all that you're doing, all that you're going to do, all your power and all the potential if we'll walk in gratitude? God, would you change hearts and change homes? Would you change families? Would you resurrect, I mean, would you resurrect in us? what you first put in us in the garden. Would you move and give us that spirit of gratitude, not a spirit of a grinch, but a spirit of gratitude, not looking at what we lack, but looking at what we have. So, God, we pray in Jesus' name. We believe it and we receive it. If you want some of it, somebody shout amen in the house of God this weekend. Woo! My mercy. Aren't you glad you came to church? Four of you are, thank you. I'll meet with you after the service. Now, we still have thousands of people this weekend. Thank you, Lord. It's a holiday weekend. A lot of people brought family and friends, and some of them are far from God. And we're so excited you're here. You make our worship more meaningful. You're the reason we keep adding services and keep adding sites and campuses. But if you're ready to turn your life over, if you're ready to have a new life and have your sin forgiven, God's ready to forgive it. So with every head bow, if you're ready to open your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer with us. Dear Jesus, we know we've sinned and we're so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord. I put all my faith in you. Save me. Transform me. Fill me with gratitude. Let me give you honor and respect, which you so richly deserve. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, somebody give God some praise in the house.